views and opinions of findings and or devices discussed in this podcast are those of the host, subject matter experts, and or guests. Facts represented constitute our understanding at the time of the podcast, whereas updated factual information may be developed. They should not be construed as pronouncing an official Department of Defense's position, policy, decision, or endorsement. Hi, and welcome to Clinical Updates in Brain Injury Science Today, or CUBIST, a podcast for healthcare providers about current research on traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI. This program is produced by the TBI Center of Excellence, or TBI-COE. I'm your host today, Amanda Gano. Today, I'll be speaking with Dr. Donald Marion, a neurosurgeon and TBI subject matter expert at TBI-COE. Don and I will discuss a study entitled Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Veterans with Comorbid Post-Traumatic Headache and Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder Symptoms, a randomized clinical trial by Donald McGeary and colleagues and published in JAMA Neurology in August of 2022. Hi, Don. Thanks for bringing this article to our attention today. So what was this study about? Hi, Amanda. So, as you know, a post-traumatic headache has been shown to be the most disabling complication of concussion. For those who sustain their TBI in combat, post-traumatic headache is frequently associated with PTSD. Clinicians who care for service members and veterans with these post-traumatic symptoms often find that conventional therapies, such as NSAIDs or other medications, are inadequate for effectively relieving post-traumatic headache, especially when comorbid with PTSD. These investigators wanted to look at cognitive behavioral therapy for headache, or CBTH, and cognitive processing therapy, or CPT, as alternatives to pharmacotherapy for the treatment of post-traumatic headache associated with PTSD. Interesting, Don. So I'm assuming that the majority of our listeners are not psychotherapists. So could you please explain what CBTH and CPT are and how they work? That's a great question, Amanda. Both cognitive behavioral therapy for headache and cognitive processing therapy are manualized forms of cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, which is a common type of talk therapy used in a structured way to help you become aware of inaccurate or negative thinking so you can view challenging situations more clearly and respond to them in a more effective way. One way to think of it is that CBT helps individuals learn to be their own therapists through exercises in the session as well as homework exercises outside of sessions. Patients are helped to develop coping skills whereby they can learn to change their own thinking, problematic emotions, and behavior. By making your problems more manageable, CBT can help you change your negative thought patterns and improve the way you feel. For cognitive behavioral therapy for headache, the therapist helps you to monitor and analyze factors that might bring on, maintain, or worsen your headaches. In other words, identify and manage triggers and exacerbating factors. Treatment may include relaxation techniques, stress management training, and other behavioral interventions. Cognitive processing therapy, or CPT, helps PTSD patients learn how to challenge and modify unhelpful beliefs related to the trauma. In so doing, the patient creates a new understanding and conceptualization of the traumatic event so that it reduces its ongoing negative effects on current life. Thanks for that clarification. So, Don, how was this particular study done? Amanda, this was a randomized three-arm clinical trial of cognitive behavioral therapy for headache, cognitive processing therapy, 
and treatment as usual in 193 post-9-11 combat veterans. 87% were male. Participants were enrolled from May 1st of 2015 through May 30th of 2019. Veterans from multiple trauma centers were included in the study. All of the veterans had comorbid post-traumatic headache and PTSD symptoms. 65 were randomly assigned to the Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Headache group, which included eight one-hour sessions weekly or biweekly. 64 were assigned to the Cognitive Processing Therapy group, and that included 12-hour sessions over six weeks. And 64 of the subjects were assigned to the Treatment as Usual group, receiving multidisciplinary treatment that included pharmacotherapies, interventional pain management, physical therapy, and complementary and integrative health treatments, such as massage or acupuncture. Outcomes were assessed at post-treatment, three-month follow-up, and six-month follow-up. Co-primary outcomes were headache-related disability on the six-item headache impact test, or HIT-6, and symptom severity were assessed on the PTSD checklist for Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition, or the PCL-5. So, Don, I'm familiar with the PCL-5, but not so much with the HIT-6. Could you briefly describe those two questionnaires? Uh, Sure, Amanda. I think probably a lot of people aren't that familiar with these tests. The PCL-5 for PTSD is a patient-completed form where the patient rates 20 symptoms typical of PTSD on a scale of zero, meaning not at all, to four or extremely, for a range of scores from zero to 80. A PCL-5 total score of 40 to 50 or higher is considered positive for active PTSD in military populations. The HIT-6, Amanda, is a tool used to measure the impact headaches have on your ability to function on the job, at school, at home, or in social situations. You are asked to rate how severe some of the most common effects of headache are on a five-point Likert scale. For example, how often have you felt too tired to do work or daily activities because of the headache? Or when you have a headache, how often do you wish you could lie down? Each of the six questions are ranked as never, which is equal to six points, rarely, which is equal to eight points, sometimes equal to 10 points, very often equal to 11 points, or always, which is equal to 13 points in the scoring. Total HIT-6 scores range from 36 to 78, and a score of 50 or higher is considered an indication to seek medical help. Okay, thanks for that explanation, Don. So what did this study find? Most of the 193 subjects, or 79%, were Army veterans, and 94% were enlisted. 94% reported a service-connected disability. At enrollment, 78% reported taking medication for their headache. Veterans entered the study approximately two years after initial headache onset, most, or 78%, with intermittent headaches occurring 3.8 times per week, with a mean duration of 4.2 hours and an intensity of 6.9 out of 10. 120 veterans, or 62%, reported having a migraine, and 23, or 12%, reported having tension-type headaches, and 32, or 17%, cluster headache symptoms. The veterans assigned to each of the three groups reported severe baseline headache-related disability, with a mean HIT-6 score of 65.8, and severe PTSD symptoms with a mean PCL-5 score of 48.4. 
For the HIT-6, compared with usual care, patients receiving the CBTH reported 3.4 points lower score on the HIT-6. It's important to note, however, that headache intensity and headache frequency did not significantly improve despite the significant improvement in the HIT-6 score. Patients receiving a cognitive processing therapy, or CPT, reported a reduction of 1.4 points in their scores across aggregated post-treatment measurements. For the PCL5, compared with usual care, patients receiving cognitive behavioral therapy for headaches reported a reduction of 6.5 points, and patients receiving cognitive processing therapy reported a reduction of 8.9 points across aggregated post-treatment measurements. Adverse events were minimal and similar across the treatment groups. Hmm, okay. So how was the participant engagement in this study? Treatment engagement was actually better for the cognitive behavioral therapy for headache in the treatment as usual group compared with the cognitive processing therapy group with 60% or 39 of 65 participants completing six or more of the CBTH sessions, 42% or 27 of 64 completing nine or more CPT sessions, and 83% or 53 of the 64 participants completing the treatment-as-usual group. Of the 193 randomly assigned individuals, 119, or almost 62%, provided at least one post-treatment outcome assessment, and 80, or 42%, provided complete outcome data for all follow-up assessments. Okay, so what were the limitations of the study? Amanda, I think the dropout and missing data from this trial were pretty high, though the authors note that it was consistent with dropout risk in this population in general. Their strategies to manage missing data included planned sensitivity analyses and contact with dropout participants to assess reasons for dropout. In other words, Amanda, they contacted each of the individuals by phone to determine this information. On exit interview, most patients who requested withdrawal reported lack of time or transportation as their primary barrier. Of the 193 randomly assigned individuals, 119, or nearly 62%, provided at least one post-treatment outcome assessment, and 42% provided complete outcome for all follow-up assessments. So 23 of 65 in the CBTH group, 21 of 64 in the CPT group, and 36 of 64 in the treatment-as-usual group. Okay, what else? Was medication a factor? As mentioned previously, Amanda, 78% of the veterans enrolled in the study were taking medications for treatment of their headaches at the time of enrollment. It was not clear to me in reading this manuscript if those assigned to the CBT headache or the cognitive processing therapy treatment arms were allowed to continue those medications, so that would have been helpful. Otherwise, I think this is a very strong study. Independent research staff randomly reviewed 10% of all treatment session audio recordings and found that the cognitive behavioral therapy for headache and the cognitive processing therapy therapists achieved over 89% treatment adherence. Two participants in the CPT group reported temporary exacerbation of PTSD symptoms attributed to trial participation. That's interesting. So they also did not know then whether any new medications were started during these cognitive behavioral therapy and cognitive processing therapy times. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, they just didn't give the information in the manuscript. Got it. Okay, so what would you say are the key takeaways? 
So, Amanda, this study supports treatment of post-traumatic headache with a manualized cognitive behavioral therapy headache intervention with outcomes superior to multimodal usual care that typically includes pharmacotherapy. Results of this randomized clinical trial found that U.S. military combat veterans with post-traumatic headache attributable to mild traumatic brain injury and comorbid PTSD symptoms showed significant improvement in headache-related disability and PTSD symptom severity in response to non-pharmacologic cognitive behavioral therapy-based interventions. Cognitive behavioral therapy for headache intervention successfully addressed headache with unexpected improvement in PTSD symptoms. So for service members with difficult-to-treat post-traumatic headache, primary care managers should consider referral to a center capable of cognitive behavioral therapy as a treatment option. Yeah, thanks, Don. I agree. It's an important treatment modality that PCMs may not immediately consider. I'll also note that TBICOE does have a clinical recommendation designed for primary care managers on the assessment and management of headache following mild TBI, and that also offers some other valuable treatment insights. And that can be found on our website. We can also link it to this episode. So that's all the time we have for today. You can stay up to date on future episodes by subscribing to Cubist on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts where you can also find links to the articles we discuss and other relevant resources. Cubist is produced and edited by Vinnie White and was hosted today by me, Amanda Gano. It is a product of the Traumatic Brain Injury Center of Excellence, a branch of the Research Portfolio Management Division under the Research and Engineering Directorate of the Defense Health Agency, led by Branch Chief Captain Scott Coda, Medical Corps, United States Navy. Thank you for listening to this episode. <laughs>